Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and I've worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, our topic today is how can problems of knowing and remembering be helped in Alzheimer's disease? Now, just a word about Alzheimer's disease. It causes problems of knowing and remembering. It's the most common form of a group of brain diseases called dementia. It can affect men and women of all ages, but mostly it affects those over the age of 65. It affects about 10% of people over the age of 65, and it can take as long as 20 years to develop. Now, the kind of problems of knowing uh, that it causes and problems of knowing are called by experts cognitive problems include problems knowing and remembering things you that have happened to you most recently. Knowing and remembering things you said in a conversation, so you repeat them over and over. Knowing and remembering how to do ordinary things you've done all your life. Knowing where you are, what time of day it is, or even what day it is. Knowing what is a useful or sensible thing to do, and what isn't. Knowing where you put things, that's a problem. But maybe the saddest problem of all is not knowing that the person sitting by your side is your husband or your wife. It, this Alzheimer's disease, this dementia, this particular form of dementia, has no medical cure. Medications do help, but only a little. So more and more, care for people with Alzheimer's disease is focused on exercising their minds, their memories, and focusing on the quality of and enjoyment of life. And to talk about these approaches to care and more, we have two guests, Nicole Scheidel and Laura Bramley. Now, first of all, Nicole completed her law degree at Osgood Hall Law School, York University, and practiced law for a number of years. And during those years, she also coached a Queen's University synchronized swimming team to, sh- to championship. She completed her master's in law at Queen's University and then taught law, philosophy, and history at Hawthorne School for Girls in Toronto. 
Moving to Florida in 2005, she developed her business skills in the IT sector, and she was development of she was business development at Agile Communications and Quick Nicole's. On coming back to Canada in 2008, she took up the position of director of business development at the Prolity Corporation, and then leaving her position in high tech. She found herself at a crossroads and being inspired by Dr. Paul Nussbaum's book, Save Your Brain. In June 2010, she founded FitMind's Cognitive Health Products, Inc. with Paul de Grandpre. Laura, Laura Bramley has 25 years' experience as a writer, editor, and graphic designer. She recently created Life Themes, a book that helps people with dementia to read again. Laura's mother had vascular dementia, different problem of dementia, but nevertheless one that has all many of the kind of problems we're going to be talking about. Um, Laura's book was produced for and tested with her, providing times of what Laura describes as shared joy before her passing in 2008. Laura believes that people with dementia are not gone or shadows, but are people with memory disabilities, and that society must work to understand dementia and to enable people with memory disabilities. She's involved in an international effort called I Can, I Will, to enable people with dementia and people without it to share ideas and raise awareness. And she lives in Arizona with her husband and two children. Welcome to the show, Nicole and Laura. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Great. Now, I'm going to start with Nicole. Um, please tell us more about your life and work and whether you or anyone in your family has experience in family caregiving. Nicole? Sure. Well, I think initially just being a mom gives you a whole range of experience as a family caregiver. But in particular, um, in 2006, my son was hit by a car. And he ended up very badly injured and wheelchair-bound for three months as he recovered. And during that time, it really hit home to me how much was required of someone who was um, adult in size but really couldn't take care of their basic needs anymore. Um, at that time, we were living outside of Canada, so we were totally away from family support. And we were dealing with a healthcare system that we were really unfamiliar with. So that was... a a difficult time but really helped me see how easy it is to get overwhelmed when you're caring for a family member and this family member can't even take care of their own basic needs. And then since then, through my company FitMinds, I've been involved with a number of families who are coping with family members who have some form of dementia and most typically that is Alzheimer's disease. And I've really seen for firsthand the challenges they face in coping with this illness. Right. Laura, I, I want to know more about your life and work. Now, we already know that you were very much involved with family caregiving with your mom. Please mm -hmm. bring those two things together and tell us how that experience with your mom and your life and work came together. Sure. Um, well, as you mentioned, yes, my mother had vascular dementia, which is a form of dementia that shares most of the symptoms of Alzheimer's. Uh, she'd been having memory issues for several years before she passed away in 2008. And she had a lot of confusion. She had issues with driving, so she voluntarily stopped 
she wandered a bit and she became increasingly reluctant to do hobbies such as knitting, cooking, reading, and traveling. And she really was very unsure, unsure of herself. And, uh, you know, for example, and I'm sharing these things because I'm sure that there are a lot of family caregivers who could relate to some of the issues that we've been through. But I realized at one point that she was reluctant to travel because she couldn't remember where she was going to. So it must have been really hard for her. She lived with my stepfather, and he was her primary full-time caregiver for several years, and they lived in the Toronto area. And in 2006, she had a stroke, and she lost really the rest of her short-term memory, and she was also paralyzed. And at that point, she moved to long-term care and then to a memory care unit within the same facility. My sister lived about an hour away, and she visited frequently, but because I lived in Arizona, I could only visit every couple of months. And when I did, I did intense visiting times with her. And I also did a lot of um, cooking for my stepfather, freezing food, cleaning, and driving around. Um, my, my stepfather's experience, he visited my mother every day while she was in long-term care. And he compromised his health to the point that he was wheelchair-bound at one point himself. And he couldn't visit a week at a time. I think that as a family, we together, we had to make some very difficult decisions and decisions that no one prepared us for. We had never prepared ourselves for. And uh, to this day, we still mull over how we could have done things differently. One of the things that I figured out towards the end of my mother's life was um, that reading therapy and, and books were a way of reaching her. And that's where it tied together with my experience in communications consulting, the writing and the editing, which is essentially information design. And it was just presenting information in a different way and in a way that my mother could understand. So you both, both of you have had this family caregiving experience, albeit in different ways, but that brought you to that sense, if I'm right, uh, that there was work to be done by you to help others in, their, in various ways with the challenges that they experienced. So, Nicole, to you, um, you were inspired by Dr. Nussbaum's book to look at Alzheimer's disease. Please tell us a bit more about that inspiration that you got. Now, I'm going to have to warn you both that we are going to run out of time shortly, so in the next segment, you will have a chance to say more. Nicola, quick answer on that. Sure. Actually, my uh, experience with Dr. Paul Nassbaum's book happened in an airport. I was waiting for my parents, and the plane was late, so I happened to wander over and pick up his book and started reading it and became really intrigued with the whole idea of building cognitive reserve and brain plasticity and thought that it very much could apply to individuals suffering from Alzheimer's disease and that some of his ideas could be modified and developed. And so that's when I began a conversation with uh, Paul about what kind of programs and products might be useful for people in this situation, and that's where we decided to found Fit Minds. Right. Laura, um, just very quickly, I want you to say just a, a little bit more about the way in which, Mom, you use the word prototype, was the kind of prototype for your book. How did that work? Um, it worked really well. Really, I was just trying to find ways to fill time with my mother while I was visiting her, which was usually hours at a stretch. And the way that it started was um, going through a coffee table book of pictures with my mother, and I was making up stories for every picture. And when we got to the end of this really thick book, she wanted to do it all over again. 
So I thought it would be pretty cool to have a book that was designed especially for her, which was interpreting information in a different way and making the information more accessible to her through bright photos, um, larger font text, and then also some conversation starting questions to help um, prompt conversation. And um, after she passed away, I self-published the book and doubled the size of it to, to 12 pages instead of six, which it was originally. And it's now, um, you know, I, I feel like we're kind of on to something. Um, it's being used for people with aphasia. It's being used to fill time um, and provide a lot of enjoyment for people. Um, we're facing a tsunami wave of people with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia, and there's no cure right now. We need alternative ways of enabling people with dementia, and I believe that there's a huge impact that cognitive stimulation therapies can have on knowing, and we just haven't realized that yet. Right. Now, we're going to talk more about that in the uh, next couple of segments, but it is time when we have to pay the rent. We have to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Nicole Scheidel and Laura Bramley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healing occurs from the inside out. To awaken and activate the body's healing mechanisms, your emotions and thought patterns must be addressed and aligned with your truth. These concepts are discussed in detail on The Light Within, Awakening the Inner Healer, with host Joan Jacobs. We'll introduce you to a new way to interpret and address your body's language of symptoms and how to turn disease into a platform of profound personal growth. Tune in to The Light Within every Monday at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get your weekly wake-up call for the oblivious. Tune in every week for Rant and Rave Radio with your hosts, Nathan Jetstream Jet and Mike Hardcore Elmore. Nothing is off our table. In fact, there's more on it than we care to talk about. It's a common-sense perspective on the people and happenings going on around us every single day. Leave it to Mike and Nathan to educate you on politics and society. Tune in to Rant and Rave Radio every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Nicole Scheidel and Laura Bramley. Our topic is, how can problems of knowing and remembering be helped in Alzheimer's disease? So let's now talk about the therapies for helping with the kind of problems we've been talking about. Nicole, first of all, what are the therapies or what are the therapies that interest you particularly for helping with problems of knowing, problems of remembering, and which of these do you actually recommend and why? 
Okay, well, as you mentioned at the beginning, there's a number of drug therapies for Alzheimer's disease, which are not super effective. The therapy that I'm most interested in and that I think will have the most impact at this time is cognitive stimulation therapy. And the kind of therapy that, or program that we've developed with FitMinds covers five areas of cognition. So language and music, visual spatial activities, critical thinking, computation and memory work. And using these cognitive acti stimulation activities allows you to concentrate on individual areas of the brain that may be particularly compromised, but also take advantage of that whole idea of cross-training the brain to build interactions between various parts and greater cross-functional functionality in the brain. And um, I think that's where the cognitive stimulation is really exciting, the kind of results that it can have. Right. Laura, are you, are you talking about the same therapies that Nicole's been mentioning, or are you talking about other ones? And in any case, how, say more about how these therapies benefit persons with, you know, the problems we, we, we're talking about. Sure. Um, I completely agree with Nicole that uh, the cognitive stimulation therapy, or that can be shortened down to CST, is really one of the most promising areas of therapy that we have. Um, and we'll talk a bit about more, more about that later. But I think that just about anything can be a form of CST. Um, I've targeted reading particularly because of my background and because of the one-on-one -on -one interaction that reading promotes. And one-on-one -on -one interaction is really important to ensure the uh, therapy uh, reaches its maximum potential. But really, there's just about any activity during the day that can exercise the brain. And one of the neatest ones that I've seen recently is um, teaching people with dementia to play ping pong, which is a program that's taking place in Los Angeles. Ping pong apparently involves strategizing and anticipating where the ball is going to go. And that covers off a number of the areas that Nicole was talking about, such as visual, spatial, memory, critical thinking. Um, but really, throughout the day, I encourage family caregivers to involve their loved one in day-to-day -day activities as much as safe as possible, such as household tasks, shopping, socializing, going out to restaurants, um, and trying out different hobbies. And I encourage everyone to turn off the television. All right. There's, um, there's also an assumption that people with dementia can't learn, and that's really not true. There's been controlled studies that um, of people who with dementia who have participated in, in um, CST of various sorts, and it's shown that people with dementia can learn. Simply speaking, uh, the brain is a muscle and it needs to be exercised, and the undamaged parts of the brain that aren't damaged by the disease can be strengthened through cognitive stimulation therapy. And this is the brain plasticity that Nicole referred to previously. Okay. Now, Nicole, I'm going to make a comment to you along these lines, that it seems to me that what you're both talking about is um, helping people with these disorders in life, ordinary life, rather than dealing with disease. So, first of all, I'd like you to just say whether yes, yes or no to that, then I'd like you to tell us how the benefits are actually rec recognized. And I'm wondering if you have any stories, a particular story of a particular situation in which the benefits shone like the sun. Nicole? Sure, Gordon. I think it's absolutely accurate that this is about life. It's not about disease. And 
two anecdotes that I wanted to relate to you really illustrated that to me recently. One of them was with a gentleman who I was doing cognitive stimulation therapy with, and he really improved in his ability to focus to this, such an extent that his wife took him on a three-hour bus tour of a tulip festival in Ottawa. And previously, he would have become agitated and distracted and would have thought really enjoyed the trip. But this time, he was able to focus through the entire trip. And she really felt that the cognitive stimulation therapy that we had been doing had really helped him to grow in this area and to be able to focus. And another incident that actually just occurred last week, I was working with a woman who um, is not really that aware of her surroundings. She's fairly advanced with Alzheimer's. And we were sitting at a table, and I was talking to the individual next to me, and she called me by name, and she said, Nicole, how are you? So she called me by name, which meant she remembered my name from previous sessions, and she also engaged and interacted in a situation that she wouldn't have done otherwise. You know, previously to our cognitive stimulation therapy, she was very much withdrawn. And her husband had really noticed an increasing in her social awareness and her ability to engage with people around her. And I think that um, was just a shining example of where cognitive stimulation therapy can make a huge difference in people's lives. Let me go to Laura now. Um, that, those stories involve family caregivers in the sense that they see the benefits. So what that leads me to ask you is this. What is the role of family caregivers with the therapies? How, what sort of advice would you like to give to family caregivers um, about the way in which they should involve themselves with the therapies? Laura? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I'd like to give a, a couple of rules to live by, but before I say that, I want to um, acknowledge that every person with dementia is different. Everybody has different symptoms, and that um, the impact of the disease is different on each person and, and therefore also on their families. And I don't want to sound like I'm, I apologize ahead of time for overgeneralizing and, and hope that family caregivers can kind of just um, take some nuggets that apply to their own particular situation. And I think that the most important rule um, is that when you are doing things with your loved one with dementia, that you do it with the person with dementia, not for the person with dementia. Um, As a caregiver, the natural inclination is to start doing everything for them. But by doing so, you're really reducing the number of activities that they are able to do in the future, and this is called learned disability. And it's the opposite of, it's really the opposite of, of how we encourage our children to learn. We try and encourage our kids to do things for themselves, for example, tying their shoes. Um, but, and it's hard to stop doing things for our kids. But with our family members with dementia, we have to stop taking over for them as much as is safe and is feasible. If you start doing everything for them, they'll unlearn and quickly become more uh, dependent upon you. So if you take that rule of doing things with the person with dementia instead of doing it for the person, then you need to read with some of someone with dementia, not to them or for them, or you do the laundry with your loved one, not for them, or you cook with somebody with dementia, not, not for them, and, and you can kind of keep applying that across the board. And um, the, one, the one other kind of rule that, that I live by when I'm working with people with dementia, with, and, and mostly I work with people with moderate to um, advanced dementia, so in the later stages, 
but you try and step into their reality and stop trying to drag them into your reality. And that just reduces so much stress, particularly in the household. Um, you learn to let go of, of the things that might be important to you, such as remembering um, that they remember your name or their relationship to you. But as soon as you start to let that sort of thing go, it really reduces a lot of stress. So what we're hearing is really the opposite of what I'll call the ideas of previous centuries where people with these kinds of conditions were sort of shut away in the sense that they were cared for, but really life, a lot of life, would be closed from them. Um, And I think if I'm right about that, I'm going to give you both a chance to say whether you agree with that or not. What that means is that more and more family caregivers are going to be front and center in the kind of care that people with these conditions actually need. So just very quickly, first of all, back to Nicole. Do you agree with that sense that uh, we must move away from the idea of, and I hate the phrase, but I'm going to use it, sort of shutting people away or putting them in care um, and instead putting them back into life. Am I right about that? Yes, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, it's really important to integrate them as much as possible into the life of the family, and that's where you're going to have the support and, and the love that's going to help them continue down this difficult path with as much hope and enjoyment in life as they can possibly have. Laura, just one for you. It's really the same question, but... Is this idea of sharing life in the way um, that you've been describing, the life of the person with the condition, the life of the family caregiver, the life of the family, is that the really strong message that you would like to leave with family caregivers who face the kind of situations you're talking about? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Don't get me started. Um, (laughs) Definitely. Um, You know, our perception, uh, first of all, what we're dealing with is the stigma of Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia because our our memory and our, um, which affects our ability to choose, to have control over our lives, to plan our futures, to all the things that really are essential to how we view humanity to be, those abilities are reduced. So we start to see people with dementia as not being human, but they are. They're, they speak a different language. They're living in a different world. And it's our job to be able to um, communicate, to learn the new language, to enable them, to stop disabling them. What I like to say is that with people with, with dementia, particularly dementia, um, people in the earlier stages up to like the moderate where there's so much potential still, so much purpose in life that we don't allow them to have. And we're still at the stages of, you know, 30, 40 years ago where there, new, where there weren't any, uh, where people in wheelchairs had to deal with buses where there were no on-ramps and there were no ramps from the, from the streets onto the sidewalk and no buttons to open doors and all those nifty things that allow people in, um, with various physical challenges to get around. And that's where we are right now with, in society with people with dementia. Yeah. Just to reinforce what you're both saying, I did an episode some several months back on dance therapy, um, and a man um, and the dance therapist were discussing the situation. The man is the husband 
of a wife with Alzheimer's. Um, anyway, they did a very nice, uh, just as you're doing, discussion of the issues. Uh, and afterwards, the man called me and said that he and his wife listened to the actual broadcast, and part of it, and during part of it, he was describing his life with his wife because they'd been childhood sweethearts. And at that point, he said his wife began to discuss with him their past, their past relationship, their life together as, as sweethearts. And that, I think, reinforces, that's my little experience and contribution, but I think this reinforces the point that doing things that are uh, life brings back memories of a kind that might not otherwise be reinforced or, or brought forward. Um, and so that, uh, if I'm adding a little bit of a sort of uh, emphasis to what you're saying, it's because I've heard this from family caregivers. Um, I see this as a matter of hope in a situation, in a condition where sometimes a hope is not strong or maybe missing. Now, it is time for us to take the short break. As I keep saying, we have to pay the rent. Um, so this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Nicole Scheidel and Laura Bramley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned because we're coming back to talk more about this important topic. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Nicole Scheidler and Laura Bramley. Our topic is, how can problems of knowing and remembering be helped with Alzheimer's disease? Uh, now, I want to talk, our guest to talk, 
about the particular ways in which therapies can help family caregivers and their family members with the serious problems that occur with Alzheimer's disease. Um, how do they work? What, what are they doing? What are the things that, again, I've asked it before, but what are the things that family caregivers should really be aware of? So, Laura first, what's the experience with the therapies? How much of a difference do they make to persons affected by problems of knowing in your experience? Well, um, as the person with dementia advances through the stages of the disease, they start to lose control over the choices that they can make and their ability to plan and to implement an activity. And so you start to see a lot of apathy and depression. And I think that eventually that's why you end up seeing a lot of, you know, we have the image in our minds of the people in wheelchairs lined up in the hallways of a nursing home, dozing or seeming completely out of it. And, you know, if you, if you as a person, anybody with a person without dementia, if you had all of your choices of what to do taken away and your only option was to do nothing or to go nowhere or to watch TV all day, what would happen to your state of mind? And by providing various uh, cognitive stimulation therapies to a person with dementia, you're giving them a choice of activities. You're giving them, and, and giving choices, by the way, is really important. Um, providing choices of, of what to wear, what to eat, what activity, what activity to do. And then um, by completing an activity that's specially designed for cognitive stimulation therapy, such as uh, reading a book or doing a memory card game, you are giving, them, giving that person with dementia back a sense of accomplishment and a sense of purpose and a sense of success. And you might find that your family member with dementia finds new purpose by being involved in, um, in these therapies or in day-to-day activities or by having a new interest or a new hobby. And by interacting with, uh, with your loved one with dementia and seeing the pleasure that, um, that this gives them, and, and actually by the person with dementia, when they see the pleasure that this activity is giving you, the family caregiver, they might start to feel like they're giving back to you, that they still have a purpose in your life. And this is really important in terms of bringing back someone, um, bringing someone back to life because magic can really happen. Um, and I'd just like to quickly relate a story of, um, now this, this is a group activity that was laughter yoga. And laughter yoga is um, a form of yoga that really doesn't require much physical movement at all. It has to do more with um, verbalizing different sounds and facial expressions and just that plain old acting silly. A lot of smiling, a lot of laughing. And I was able to participate in um, a laughter yoga session with a group of people in various stages of the disease, really right up to people who just were almost not verbal anymore. And I literally saw a woman who went through this session, and at the beginning she didn't want to participate and wasn't talking at all, and by the end she was yelling, you know, I'm special, you're special, we're all special. <laughs> just the life that came into her was just unbelievable. And these are the kinds of experiences that... Um, that just about anybody will, will start to see if they invest the time and energy required in CST with their person with dementia. Great. Nicole, different question now. What are, the, in your experience, the most important challenges that are brought to family caregivers by the kind of problems of knowing and remembering we're talking about? What are the things that really, really challenge family caregivers? Well, I think there's really four areas that are real challenges for family caregivers. The first being the emotional challenges. 
So there's the anxiety and sense of loss that can come from the progression of the disease, as well as the emotional exhaustion and frustration that can come from caring for someone suffering from Alzheimer's. I think the second challenge is the physical challenges involved, particularly if you're assuming a lot of new household tasks, if you're taking on roles that you hadn't in the past taken on, also to keep the house safe so that the person suffering from Alzheimer's doesn't wander um, to make it safe enough for that. And also to deal with issues such as driving, if the person is still driving and how do you deal with that and that concern for safety. Um, I think the other, the third challenge facing family caregivers is really the financial challenge. From banking and paying the bills to the right time to put a power of attorney into place, there are a lot of issues of communication and consent that can become really problematic at this time. And finally, I think the fourth challenge is the family strain that can occur as relationships change. So these changes impact everyone in the family, not only the primary caregiver, but also the children and grandchildren are also affected by the progress of the disease. And it's really important that everyone's uh, role and need for a relationship is recognized and they're given opportunities to still interact positively with the person who is suffering from Alzheimer's. Right. Laura, those challenges that Nicole's just mentioned. How do the therapies help family caregivers and the family members deal with those challenges? How, how, do, how do they help? Okay. Um, well, there are direct benefits to the caregiver of um, doing therapies, of, of interacting with their loved one with dementia, uh, mainly in reducing the stress and um, focusing also on the relationship that... Um, that you have with your loved one with dementia. Um, as Nicole said, relationships are strained, and um, really you're, you have to develop a new relationship with your loved one with dementia. The popular notion of dementia is that a person um, is a shadow of their former selves. It's, it's also called the long goodbye. And indeed, um, it can be that way, but cognitive stimulation therapy allows the caregiver to see their family member in a new light. Um, you start to accept and appreciate the person with dementia for who they are and what they're capable of. And you actually start to get quite excited about what they're capable of and proud of the role that you as a caregiver have in taking, um, in, in bringing about that change. And you start to feel less powerless. You start to feel like you have a bit of control over the disease. Um, and also, um, because these therapies have been shown to slow the progression of the disease, it may help in um, keeping the uh, keeping your your loved one at home longer and avoiding some of the financial strain that long term care can um, can put on the family. Um, and also, there should be some reduced stress because their loved one should be able to do more for themselves um, by doing the cognitive stimulation therapies. The person with dementia should be able to start doing more of what are called the activities of daily living, or ADLs, and that has to do with um, addressing themselves, basic hygiene, um, you know, making some choices about what they're going to do in the day, entertaining themselves a bit. And if if those if, if um, those can last longer at home, then the person might not might be able to avoid going to long-term care completely, which reduces uh, you know the financial stress and just emotional stress on the family as well. Sure. 
Nicole, we hear a lot these days about services and support networks. Um, please could you say what you understand by those and in particularly how services and support networks uh, work for the therapists you've both been talking about? Well, um, I think there's a bit of a difference between what is happening in Canada and what is happening in the United States. And in Canada, because healthcare and therapies are very much located at the provincial level of government, we have a lot of government involvement in providing therapies on a provincial basis, and so they're very unique province by province. But in Ontario, there's a lot of support and resources for individuals that need home care, um, help in terms of taking care of the individual on a physical level, but there's not really anything in place for cognitive stimulation therapy from a government perspective. And that's one of the things that we're trying to address through FitMinds is providing these therapies and making them available to people, I guess, through a private source. Um, so we have kits and handbooks and actually people who are trained to come out and do cognitive stimulation therapy, as well as offering training to family caregivers in order to assist them in providing this kind of therapy to an individual in their family who's suffering from Alzheimer's or um, dementia. Now, Laura might be able to speak a little more about what's happening in the U.S. I know they have different kinds of programs in place. Um, there's a lot more happening at the group level in, in residences and uh, group um, homes than there are up here in Canada. Okay, thanks. Laura, just would you comment, please, on that, how the services work and the networks work in the, in the U.S.? Right, well... Um with the healthcare system here, basically there's there's really nothing that is offered in terms of cognitive stimulation therapy. Um, there are therapies, really the, the recreational therapists and occupational therapists have filled the, the niche of, of working with um, people with dementia one-on-one. -on -one. And um, because there aren't government services, it's private enterprise that has taken over and is, is filling that gap. Um, there are a few people who are kind of known for developing products here um, and using such methods as the Montessori method for, for working with people with dementia. Um, but there's no, it's, it's still really, really kind of lacking. Um, yeah, I think we still have an awful, an awful long way to go <laughs> in this area. Yeah, it sounds to me that's true in both the countries that, um, in fact, I'm going to be asking you in the next segment, uh, in effect, what we should be doing to, to promote these ideas because they're so, so very important. But just let me um, say a little, ask you a little bit more, both quickly, about the way in which the private sector operates in both countries. Because to most of us, private sector means you pay not being unkind about that, and I'm not being negative about it, but it, it tends to be a fact. So, um, first of all, uh, Nicole, and then Laura. Nicole, where does the money come from? Who pays? Well, in our situation in Canada, you have government funding at a certain level for certain services. Something like cognitive stimulation therapy is not funded by the government, so it's going to be the family that pays. 
Now, in some cases, you may be able to get insurance companies to pay if that if they take on this kind of therapy as something they see as a benefit. But currently, there are not um, any insurance companies of private health insurance that have taken on that um, responsibility or give it, allowed that service to be funded through their programs. Um, that may be the answer here in Canada, though I think it it is likely that the government's going to have to step in with some kind of funding to assist people. I know that they're talking about health care credits or something similar for family caregivers to be able right. to reduce their taxes, but in the end, that doesn't necessarily make the service more available to people. Perfectly fair. Laura, same question, but for the U.S., where's the money coming from? Um, out of whose pocket does the money flow for these kinds of services? Um, it's coming out of the family's pocket right now. I mean, here in the States, we're still arguing over who should be paying for health insurance, so we won't go there. But, um, you know, I'm just I'm sitting here looking at an Alzheimer's Association newsletter, and they are, um, I have to say that Canada, and, and actually Europe, is, far, is way far ahead in recognizing the abilities of people with cancer and um, in enabling them. And here in the States, I'm starting to see some hope. And here on this newsletter, I see something called New Early Stage Program. Laura, I'm going to have to stop you because your voice is faded. All right. I see a new program called New Early Stage Programs, which is for people in the earliest stages of Alzheimer's to, to connect with other people with Alzheimer's and to socialize. And socialization is something that tends to stop after somebody who's been diagnosed. This is a free program. And I think that if people reach out to their Alzheimer's Society or their Alzheimer's Association first, that that's where they'll start to see a lot of support in this area. I'd like to perhaps do, for example, lending, a lending library of uh, cognitive stimulation therapy um, activities. That would, that would be a free resource that would be available to families. Yeah, yeah very good. Now, in the next segment, we're going to talk about... Um, in effect, promoting the understanding of the value of all of this. <clears throat> so it is now time for us to take the break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley. My guests are Nicole Scheidel and Laura Bramley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Join classical homeopath Piper Martin to discover an entirely new way to experience pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Educate yourself and connect with the possibilities of new choices and opportunities for you and your baby. Learn to use homeopathy to support yourself and your baby both physically and emotionally. 
We'll also discuss topics specific to all women, such as understanding and accepting our bodies, relating to other women, and how to expand out of your comfort zone and discover new and powerful concepts. Tune in to The Whole Woman, Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Nicole Scheidel and Laura Bramley. Um, our topic is how can problems of knowing and remembering be helped in Alzheimer's disease? Now, as we've said already, a cure for Alzheimer's disease is still a long, long way away. People are living longer and longer, so more and more people are likely to develop these diseases. And healthcare planners are planning for more and more caring at home. So let's now explore what needs to be done to provide more of the benefits for family caregivers of the therapies you've described. Now, Laura, first, here's a question. How well understood by family caregivers is the role of the therapy, and what more do you think needs to be done to increase their understanding? Um, I don't think that uh, cognitive stimulation therapy is understood uh, well at all by family caregivers. As a family caregiver, you're typically dealing with so many different issues. You're so exhausted and stressed that it's almost the last thing on your mind. (laughs) So it's a case of um, doing a lot of educating for family caregivers so that they see how these activities can be incorporated into daily life and the benefits of it. Um, and as that happens, it will the, the therapies will start to gain in popularity. Um, I think that government validation and support of um, CST would be um, as an important treatment and an alternative to um, to drugs um, is, is really important. And there's a movement afoot to provide funding for research into CST, and uh, which can also be called psychosocial forms of treatment or also um, non-pharmaceutical forms of therapy. Uh, so much as there is re- uh, funding for research into drugs or, or to slow the progression or um, research into finding a cure, we also need to have research into cognitive stimulation therapies and more studies done to show the benefits of it. And as, as, as I was alluding to before, it really takes organizations such as the Alzheimer's Society or the Alzheimer's Association here in the States to fully embrace CST and to um, endorse activities and products and perhaps have a lending library within their organization. Fair enough. Nicole, how well understood by healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, physical therapists, and so on, is the role of the therapies you're talking about and what more needs to be done? De- to increase their understanding. Okay, I don't believe there's a widespread understanding of the use of cognitive stimulation therapy by healthcare professionals, particularly at the general practitioner level. 
Um, there's a lot of good research being done about the efficacy of CST, but in my experience, that's not moved down into the front lines where family caregivers are looking for help and resources. Now, that being said, there's some really interesting specialized research programs in Canada. One of them is the Murray Alzheimer Research and Education Program connected with the University of Waterloo. And they have a really uh, interesting conference. I know Laura has attended it in the past. It's called A Changing Melody, and that aims to include the person with dementia in the decision-making process of healthcare decisions, which is kind of an unusual approach. And that's really a wonderful conference. Um, I think it's really important for us to be able to raise awareness at the grassroots level with the Alzheimer's societies, with the memory clinics, with the geriatric psychiatrists about cognitive stimulation therapy and what effect it can have. Now, the, I know the Alzheimer's societies across Canada do have lending libraries, and in fact, I'm pleased to say that many of them have brought, bought our book um, with the Caregiver's Handbook, which has many activities and exercises that you can use to do cognitive stimulation therapy. And I know they're always looking for um, resources for people. They're right at the front lines, and I think they can really see a need for people to help them right now. You know, what's pragmatic, what's practical, what can be done right now to change their circumstances. Right. Now, I'm going to ask um, you both the same question, and that is to summarize the message about the therapies that you would like to give to family caregivers, especially as, and I think you both probably agree on this, that the, the message about what the therapies do and how useful they are needs to be better understood. So, Laura, first, what's the message about the therapies that you want to pass? Well, I, I really would like to see family caregivers take on a new mantra, which is do blank, do something with your, with your loved one with dementia. Don't do it for them or to them as much as possible. And by thinking of your daily activities in that way, you'll start to see the potential for cognitive stimulation therapy in almost everything you do. And just keep an open mind. You really can help your loved one with dementia to take control over their lives. And by doing so, you'll really reduce the stress in your own life. Um, and, and my other message, I think, is, is that turn off the TV. It's not a cognitive activity. Um, and and to, to take advantage of, of the different um, CST products that are available, uh, such as um, the books on my website, mindsetmemory.com, or on Nicole's. Um, she has some amazing products. To, and um, she's on a fitminds.ca. And these products are great for shaking up the day, for adding in different things to do. And just keep an open mind and look for the possibilities. There you go. Nicole, your message about the therapies. Well, first of all, I have to agree with Laura about turning off the TV. I think that is such a overused babysitter, um, and it does no good to anyone. Um, my takeaway message would be that cognitive stimulation therapy can make a tremendous difference in the quality of life for the individual suffering from Alzheimer's disease and for the family caregiver, because it gives them so many opportunities to interact on a meaningful basis and to really improve their, the quality of their life and the quality of their relationship as they're really going through a very difficult journey. Um, and I think the other thing that cognitive stimulation therapy can do, which is really helpful and hopeful for people, is that it can extend their ability to age at home. So they can stay at home for a longer period of time, 
and be in the surroundings that they're comfortable with and where they feel really loved. Right. Now, I'm going to say back to you both um, something along these lines, which is that you mentioned at home, people staying at home, governments everywhere are very keen on aging at home because it saves them money. seems to me that more interest by government and more support by government for the therapies you're talking about would actually reinforce, <coughs> strengthen the programs, the idea that caring for people at home is actually financially advantageous as well as being a benefit to the people with the, the health care problems and also is support for the family caregivers who are bearing the burden. So I hope that's a message that um, it expresses some at least of the things you've been saying because, and I only have a few more seconds to say these things, um, what I think you've been saying and sharing with us, both of you, is profoundly important. I think you've made it very clear how these things fit. I think you've made a very good case for why these things should be taken much more seriously, understood better, and promoted, and why they make not just good sense, but also caring sense. So in that way, I want to thank you for your comments and wish you every bit of luck that's going. I want to thank our listeners, and I want to ask them, please, to email us with comments and questions, which I'll pass on to Nicole and Laura. And finally, I want to say again, Thank you to them both, <clears throat> because what, we're <clears throat> excuse me, what we've heard is your experience, your insights, and your advice. All success to you. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the unpaid, unrecognized family caregivers. So please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.